You're listening to In The Know, a collection of career development insights and leadership experiences from INSEAD, the business school for the world. And welcome to another episode of In The Know. My name is Luke Thomas, and today we are on the INSEAD Singapore campus to discuss gender diversity in your career and how you can contribute to gender initiatives. But the one thing that we recommend as a foundation for developing gender equality is creating a psychologically safe environment for everyone, the male and the female employees. It's good for things like organizational engagement and other good things that our our businesses want. That was one of today's guests, Zoe Kinias, discussing a key takeaway you can use to ensure you and your business demonstrate leadership in gender diversity. Zoe is an Associate Professor of Organisational Behaviour at INSEAD and the Academic Director of INSEAD's Gender Initiative. Also joining our conversation was INSEAD alumni Antoine Clavier. Antoine discussed how the role of males in gender initiatives is just as important. A lot of steps that that can be taken, but the very first one is basically to muster the courage and say, okay, this is something I want to get involved in and I'm going to try to find a way, maybe if it's small at first, to just move forward. So let's get in the know with Zoe Kinias and Anton Clavier. We've got uh, one alumni joining us from the MBA program, uh, finished last year, and Zoe Kinies. So, uh, Antoine, you were in the program, you were 18J, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. I did a full year here in, uh, in Singapore, so I'm a single lifer, 18J, yes. Fantastic. And Zoe, you've been involved uh, with a few different programs. I guess knowing more about you professionally and and your careers because we're talking about careers and leadership just give us a bit of a background about where you how you got to where you are today so i was trained as a social psychologist and figured out very um quickly in my phd studies that i cared a lot about what happened in the real world and so i finished my phd in 2007 in the united states and I knew that I wanted to be transitioning into a more applied business context. So I went to the Kellogg School of Management and that was my transition into global business, a stepping stone for me. I've been at INSEAD based in Singapore for almost 10 years now. And my work now is very much about how what we know as um, scientists can be applied into business contexts to help business leaders develop equality, and lead well. Mm, fantastic. And Antoine, uh, you've finished the MBA and uh, you've been out for what's well, almost 12 months, I guess now, or getting closer to 12 months. Yeah, around around there. I finished in July last year, mm-hmm. so now we're, uh, we're in February. We're so. getting there. Yeah, getting there. So, so what are you doing with yourself now that you've graduated and gone into the world? Yes, yeah, so, I, so I did my entire career in the healthcare industry so far and I didn't want to change that. So after my MBA, I went back to the healthcare industry. Uh, but ha- after having worked with two massive conglomerates like Siemens and GE, this time I decided to go for pretty much the opposite of the value chain. And I'm more, I just joined a startup uh, that's based in the US and expanding the activities here in Asia. And we are working into healthcare AI to help uh, radiologists here. So still in the healthcare industry. And this is a, I mean, to me, this is a very fascinating and exciting field. Yeah, sure. And very fast paced, I guess, being in a startup. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, to me, it's a, it's a big change moving from that big corporations where you have a lot of processes moving down to a startup where 
basically you have to you have to like if you drop the ball there is nobody to catch it uh, sure. because you're pretty much one of the only one running the show yeah so it's uh, it's very exciting and uh you really have to commit um on pretty much everything you want to do and everything you you are saying that you're going to do yeah sure and you both weren't based here originally well you, you haven't come from singapore you've you've come from further afield uh, what i i guess zoe insiad brought you to singapore Antoine, what what brought you to Singapore? Was it INSEAD as well, or was it something else? No, no. So I so I left France when I was twenty, and I started to move around for studies and work in Europe, uh, North America, with Canada, and then moved to Singapore to actually finish my my master's in strategy. Back then, it was initially supposed to be for nine months, and what was supposed to be nine months now is almost coming to ten years. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it was just, I think it, I discovered a place where I felt myself very comfortable and I discovered so many opportunities to learn, to grow, uh, both personally and also for my career. So that's why since then I've been I've been here. Plus now I have also my personal life with my partner who is uh, Singaporean and living here. So sure. even one more reason to continue and, and yeah. stay here, yeah. And a very good reason. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Right, and we're sort of gathered, I guess, because uh, we've got the International Women's Day is upcoming. Uh, we've got some campaigns coming and a video release, which uh, is called uh, Ambition Has No Gender. Uh, I thought it was a, a great moment to get the both of you in because it's a, a topic that's uh, very close to both of you. You've been very strongly involved over the years with, uh, with these topics. So let's start off with the ambition side of things. What are your personal ambitions moving forward? What, what do you see makes you ambitious or, or is going to continue to bring you towards your goals? Hmm. Good question. Well, yeah, very good question. So <laughs> I can I go mean, first if you want. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll give it a shot first. Uh, when, I mean, when I looked at my ambition to me, it's what I, what I can achieve in my role, not necessarily the role per se. Mm -hmm. And this is really why I've chosen the, the healthcare industry because I want to, to really contribute in a positive way in, in helping to make, people's life a bit better. So I'm, I'm not a surgeon, so I'm not going to be the one going on the patients you know, and really helping them. But I believe that working in the healthcare industry, at least you can contribute to move the needle a little bit forward, especially in this part of the world where you have not enough doctors, you have so much gaps in terms of wealth and in terms of way that you can improve the access to healthcare that I find myself being here in that specific field can really help to, to contribute. Now, if we're Talking spe more specifically in terms of roles or career where I would aspire to be, I, I still want to be in that field and basically continue to to grow the impact I can have. So it means in terms of uh, team I would manage or PNL I wouldn't I would have and region I would cover. So this is where I would see myself grow in the, in the future. Fantastic, very noble profession, the uh, medical industry, of course. So yeah, no, great. And Zoe, I mean, I mean, you're doing amazing things. I mean, I'm sure uh, many of our listeners are aware of a lot of the research you're doing, but uh, what does, I guess, ambition to you, uh, what do you hope, uh, what are your goals for the, for the future moving forward? You know, I, I loved what you were saying, Antoine, because when I try to think about my own ambition, it's much more in terms of the impact that I can have than sort of reaching a particular hmm. um, role or 
um, title or anything yeah. like that. And, and and I think that this is also something that resonates back to INSEAD more broadly, just to take a little bit of a an, um, bird's eye view on the, thi- on the situation, is that we really care as an institution about business being a force for good. And I think both of us um, really resonate with that um, institutional goal. Sure. So in, in my own personal case, my ambitions are mostly about making INSEAD a place that facilitates businesses doing better with respect to gender equality. And so um, the roles that I can play with respect to this are at um, levels of uh, knowledge creation and knowledge sharing, first and foremost. So the research and then also the the pedagogic side of my role. And also um, part of our gender initiatives mission is for INSEAD to be a great example of gender balance. And so I also work on the impact side as well um, within the organization. In the last couple of weeks, I've done um, sessions with our uh, faculty and staff on how to teach in a gender balanced way and how to do all of our jobs in as gender balanced a way as possible. And so when I think about my ambition, my my ambition is primarily about the impact that I can have through INSEAD to make the world better. And I guess a final question for getting to know more about you and your careers is, uh, in your opinion, what what traits are the most important in an ambitious leader? So I have a a, a quick response, if you don't mind, Antoine. Um, I I think it's not internalizing any limitations that the world might put on us. And I say that because... um, I developed what I think everyone agrees is an ambitious strategy for our gender initiative uh, a couple of years ago in collaboration with one of our alumna. Her name is Helen Deuce, who who does strategy development is her job. And she she worked with me on this. And as I was sharing it with our, our top leaders, um, they were very, they were excited and they were supportive. And, and one of them said that it was over ambitious. I took it as a challenge (laughs) and sort of like, don't don't tell me, don't tell me I can't. And I think that that's something that is not just true for me. It's true for a lot of people who are, um, who are ambitious and who, who lead changes that really matter in the world is that they, they don't internalize if anybody says you can't, they say, let me show you how I will. Yep. Okay. Right. Antoine? Yeah, I think it mine kind of touches on similar points. I would maybe phrase it differently. It would be to basically move beyond any fears that, that you might have into um, either reaching a goal or in, in a way like somebody telling you that you cannot do it because of this or because of this potential barrier or this, this is dangerous for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So basically find a way to move beyond that and just keep going but while doing it I think what's super important as well to kind of continue to feed that ambition is to really enjoy and have that uh, that fu- that fulfillment while, while you're doing it because just going and pushing beyond your fears just for the sake of it mm-hmm. you might find yourself in a position where you, it's a bit difficult and you feel uncomfortable and maybe it might not be your true self anymore mm-hmm. while if you manage to do that while still enjoying and sticking true to your values I mm-hmm. think this is how you can 
keep pushing and be more and more ambitious. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love what you're what you're saying, Antoine. And just to build on that a little bit, it's very consistent with the way I think about this and also consistent with some of my research, which shows that that people who are well aligned with their their own personal values mm-hmm. are most able to um, be effective in whatever types of mm-hmm. roles they're playing. And when we think about um, the top leaders of the world, they have a clear vision mm-hmm. of what they want. They act in alignment with their um, their core personal values. And so I think it's a, I'm really glad you added it then. Getting into more about the programs. Uh, again, uh, as I mentioned, we're sort of following up the, uh, the video, Ambition Has No Gender. I suppose it comes, there's an increase in global awareness into gender initiatives. I, I suppose the first question I sort of want to ask, if possible, is, Maybe for the listener's point of view, when you think of gender equality, I mean, I, I looked at Google last night and Google, you know, the autofill was telling me a lot of questions were coming in. What is gender equality? Um, you know, uh, there's people out there going, is it merely just having 50% men and 50% women in your workplace? And I think it's it's probably a valid question to ask first up because it's so much more than that. Um, and I suppose, Zoe, you are probably uh, great to take us away to, to sort of answer that question. What is gender equality and what can we do, I guess, to to help push that gender initiative forward? Sure. So I I love that you've introduced um, that it's more than just numeric representation. And one of the indicators of how we're doing is the numeric representation in in lots of contexts. But um, having an organization that's 50-50 male and female is better than not, but but certainly there's a lot more that we can do. And so even when looking at the numeric representation, it's very important to look at where the women are within the organization. So even organizations that are very imbalanced have roughly 50% men and women, but the women are more clustered at lower levels within the organization with lower salaries, less responsibility, and um, less impact. So we want to be thinking about where they are is, um, is another part of the story with respect to representation. But then also really thinking about um, the extent to which everyone, both male and female, feels valued, included, respected, and is able to bring their best selves into their working roles and contribute to the utmost of their ability. So when I think about um, the the aspiration for us with respect to gender balance or gender diversity or gender inclusion, it's really a, a combination of numeric representation and valuing respect and um, ability to contribute. In the vision and values of INSEAD, I mean, it's mentioned uh, we're committed to developing the next generation of global leaders uh, who will change the world. I mean, it's part of the uh, the gender initiative values. Uh, what can the next generation of leaders do to facilitate this, you know, women's success or, or gender success uh, in business? So there are a couple pieces of the story that are very important for us to think about. Um, Jennifer Patriglieri, my colleague based in in Fontainebleau, also in the OB area, and I recently developed an online course for business leaders that talks in a lot more detail about this. And we say there's no silver bullet because we're talking about, in the course, we call it a systemic web of challenges that businesses face with respect to trying to create a truly um, gender equal um, business. Now, when we think about the that systemic web of challenges, there are pieces of the story that are um, 
contextualized within the societies in which the businesses operate. There are the pieces of the story that have to do with the business itself, its industry, its own history, norms, and, and culture within the organization. And then there's also the psychological experience of both the men and the women in the organization that are all factors that we want to be considering. Sure. So the, the quick answer is that um, you need to think about all of these things. But the one thing that we recommend as a foundation mm -hmm. for developing gender equality, which generalizes across all of these other factors that we're talking about, is creating a psychologically safe environment for everyone, mm -hmm. the male and the female employees. It's mm -hmm. good for things like organizational engagement and other good things that our, our businesses want. Um, but there's evidence that this can be particularly beneficial for women and members of under, other underrepresented groups. So as a starting point, this is sort of a not necessarily an easy, but um, one practice that most organizations can benefit from. Fantastic. I like that. That's uh, yeah, one sort of tangible thing people can take away and hopefully uh, sort of research more about and, and, and there's plenty to, to find out uh, both uh, INSEAD's research and, and other places around the world. So yeah, that's uh, really something worthwhile to, to follow up on, I think, for our listeners. So I suppose, including Antoine, uh, you, as we've mentioned, you were in the MBA program and uh, part of your participation in the program, I guess you were part of the Women in Business Club and you were, I guess, one of the initiators of the Manbassador, uh, what did you call it? I guess an initiative? You can create an in initiative, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. um, do you want to sort of tell our listeners what the Women in Business Club is? You know what what was involved with it, how important it is uh, for yourself and others going through the program, and what is a man ambassador? Yeah, sure. So the, I mean, Inside has many clubs that the students can join. You have some which are more around sports, some around more around cultures, and some obviously which are a bit more career uh, career focused. So. The women in business kind of covers both career and, and culture in a way where mm -hmm. you have a lot of events which are being organized with inviting speakers or visiting companies or try to organize workshops, discussions, conferences. So it's a bit of a lot of things packed together, but usually around the topic of uh, obviously women in business and gender equality. So Men Ambassador was, I guess, fell under that umbrella uh, of the Women in Business Club. And it all started like in, in the two campuses in parallel. It's actually quite funny because you had mm -hmm. uh, two of my classmates, uh, Chris and Samir, uh, who are based in Fontainebleau, and myself, who was based here, without necessarily talking to each other, at least not between the two campuses, at roughly the same time when we started our program, we had the same idea that it would be nice to create, under the Women in Business Club, an initiative where men feel feel more comfortable into participating and helping into that, joining the, the discussion, basically joining the conversation. Mm -hmm. And after a few, I think a few weeks when, you know, we were starting to discuss, I was meeting with Zoe and discussing, okay, how, how can we do this? Then realized that there were the two initiatives that actually emerged at the same time. Mm -hmm. So we put everything together into one uh, initiative, which we call Ambassador. The, the reason for the name Ambassador is because it's, it's kind of has become a more common denomination for it now. You have quite a few universities in the world, uh, especially in the US, who have um, used this term of ambassador to describe uh, basically a gender equality initiative led by men. And we decided to just follow on, on that so that you know, it can uh, reuse that, that brand name because it makes it easier for people to quickly understand what, 
what we're trying to achieve, basically. So to answer your question of what is a, an ambassador, uh, I think everyone might have a, a different definition because I think it's something that can be quite personal in sure. how you how you see it and how you want to get involved. But I think the over like the overarching umbrella for this would be it's a, it's it's a man who wants to contribute in a positive way uh, in into the discussion or even into actions to uh, into gender equality basically mm-hmm. so it can it can take many different forms and shapes and type of involvement and it's for every every person to decide if and how they want to to get involved basically mm-hmm. Great. And uh, I think it sort of leads to a question that uh, a, a lot of men can have around this topic. But how how do we, as a man myself, how, how do we get involved? Like how, how can we contribute to, to helping this initiative and, and progressing women's careers, I guess, uh, and, and contributing in a constructive way? Because uh, I guess there is a balance between the most effective ways you can contribute and, and maybe going too far and... Uh, sorry, undermining what we're trying to achieve or, or what the initiative is trying to achieve. So I feel a little funny jumping in when this is a, a question about um, men's experience, but I, <laughs> I, Go I, for it. I will. There is no barrier. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will just push my way in a little bit. And then I, I think it's really important for us to hear from Antoine as well. Um, so the first thing that I, I think is important for us to say on this topic is that it is critical from a change management perspective that men be involved in this. If the half of the world that is relatively disempowered is the half trying to make the change, then it's going to be much harder than if everyone who cares about this is Mm. taking action. So I Mm. think it's it's really critical that both men and women be involved in the in the change that we're striving to to reach. Um, Having said that, I, I appreciate what you're saying about sort of we stereotype men as being a bit more aggressive or assertive. And if they're going and I was sort of laughing at myself. <laughs> pushing in to, to answer the question, um, being the woman in the room. But um, with with that said, I think that, that men feel, especially the men who care about this topic, they're more sensitive on this, sure. sometimes need to feel empowered to contribute. Sure. And so I would like to say, <laughs> please feel empowered yeah. to contribute, guys. Sure. Um, point number one. Um, and maybe Antoine can talk a little bit more then about how to strike that right balance of... Um, leading the change with while still respecting um, women's contributions with respect to the to the change. Yeah, I mean, I mean, touching on that, and I would like to just spend a second talking about, I think one of the big challenge that usually kind of prevents or at least stops a lot of the men to kind of, you know, move forward or raise their hand up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's what I would call or what people call, you know, toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, in, in general, this is something that we find pretty much everywhere. Mm-hmm. And as, as a man, you're kind of being brought up in, in, in this environment, whether it's the type of, you know, locker room talk, or it could be also some some of the things that, you know, you say to your friends or, or in, the office, in the office. And I think because of this, it can create some, yeah, some apprehension or some fear for some of the men to actually step up and like have the courage to to get involved mm-hmm. but i think if you have the right environment mm-hmm. it makes it much easier to to step forward obviously sure. so if you are in a, in a culture and i think this is going back to one of the earlier points from from zoe if it's if you're in a culture whether you know at university home or 
uh, or in the office, which is uh, very inclusive, then obviously you you feel much safer to to step forward and be be able to contribute in the way the way you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. While if you're in an environment where you basically you don't have that safety, it becomes I would say it becomes very challenging because it means you have to make this step forward and you you have all these questions in the back of your head, uh, potentially as a man is, well, um, how am I going to be perceived? Is it actually the right way to do it? Am I pushing too hard? Mm. Is it actually going against what I'm trying to achieve? You know, because maybe if I'm trying to push too hard, uh, actually it's, I'm going to create even more imbalance in mm. a way. So what, what is the right way for me and the right approach for me to do that? So the, I think the, very best way to start is basically to start asking yourself this type of questions is uh, creating uh, creating that mind space where you you see that this is something that would be interesting for you or that you you want to kind of get involved more and feel free i think to to ask questions like reach to reach to people whether they are around you it could be your partner it could be uh, somebody in your family at first if you want to kind of keep it safe mm-hmm. then you can move a bit you know in an outer circle even move into the office and you you have some great groups you know like uh, you have he for she leaning yeah. that you have in different uh, in different cities and in different countries so you can approach those uh, those organizations as well to try to understand how how to make a how to make a step forward? They organize they organize events all the time and workshops on you know gender gender balance, gender equality, whether it's in a in the in the workspace or at home or how to do this or how to um, how to be more conscious of unconscious bias. Mm-hmm. So I think there are a lot of steps that that can be taken, but the very first one is basically to yeah just muster the courage and say okay this is something I want to get involved in and. I'm going to try to find a way, maybe if it's small at first, to just move forward with that. And if I could add add on implicit in what you're saying, Antoine, is that you strive to learn and find your place in it. And that's something Absolutely. that um, we see from, from other business leaders as well. So the, the CEO of Microsoft, Nadella, some people might remember that he botched this topic a little <laughs> bit um, a few years ago when he'd first stepped into his role as CEO. And he's really strived to learn. Mm. And so he asked the women on his top leadership team, what have your experiences been like? What are the challenges you faced? How, what are things that can help? And, and so having the, the learning approach mm. to the topic, I think, is really valuable for, for everyone involved and, and for men who are maybe feeling a little bit mm. more timid or, or um, self-conscious about stepping in. I think it's a great way to get started, which was implicit in what you were saying a minute ago. Yeah, I mean, and like to, to give an example of, of what we, something that we organized here with ambassador was when we did our launch we organized kind of a me too campaign where basically we just asked some of our female classmates who were comfortable to share some of the what i would call horrifying stories that happened to them Mm. in the work environment sure and it was shocking Mm. to see and especially for some for most of my male classmates to see that yeah, those stories actually happened. And they exist. They happen yeah. often. Yeah. And they happen to actually people who might be sitting right next to you or yeah. people who just had lunch with and you had no idea. Mm. So I think being able to to realize that it's also something where you can have, for some, it will make this like, something switch and be mm-hmm. like, oh, wow. Mm. Oh, this that, is real. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, like, this is real or that yeah. bad. Yeah. And then they 
kind of create that curiosity. Mm. For some others, they were already aware, or for some others, this is not uh, something that they, they are interested in, and then sure. that's, that's fine. Everybody has their different uh, different opinion, but at least it created for quite a few of them this um, like this yeah, this big surprise that this is really happening uh, pretty much anywhere, because we have classmates from, I think, over 70 countries. So yeah. you had uh, you had some, female, some of my female classmates here commenting from stories from Europe, North America, South America, Asia, Africa, Middle East, so yep. anywhere. You know, it wasn't Stories one diverse. industry or one country. No, yeah. it was just uh, from 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 anywhere. Yeah, for sure. And and you touched upon uh, sort of the environment, um, and and I suppose that's an important aspect. And some of our listeners might be thinking, you know, this is something that's very uh, I'm very passionate about. I want to do more. I want to be involved in greater initiatives like this. Um, so a part of our careers is is finding the right place to work, finding the right environment to work in that help we can help contribute to these type of initiatives. So, for listeners, I guess keen on finding the right organisations, how do how do we go about you know finding those right cultural attributes in a company? So Antoine's done this personally mm-hmm. recently. If <laughs> yep. you want to start, I can talk about theory, but you can talk about recent experience. Yeah, you, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think. The, yeah, to me, you, you need first to understand what are your values and what you care about. And you know, it can be very, very diverse and everybody might have different ones. So once you know that, then you can try to see if the, the industry first potentially has these values or not, because sometimes there might be a complete misalignment and understand what um, what you're looking for. If, if not talking more on the topic uh, around gender equality, this is something that you really uh, really want to ensure that you're working for an organization which is inclusive on any topic, whether you know it's age, race, gender, or even sexual orientation. I think you you just need to do a bit of research. Like for example, for me when I when I was looking at company, this this is something I was quite curious about. So I would go on their website if they were you know big enough companies and try to see if they talked about it because some companies don't even talk about it. Sure. Mm-hmm. So to me, I'm like, okay. Almost the red so, flag, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like, okay, this is not something that they are necessarily interested about sure. or at least they didn't even make the communication effort to talk about it because yeah. now it's become a big topic and at least most of the organization try you know, to put this forward that you know they are really working on gender equality, on being inclusive. So when I see a company that doesn't even have a section on that, I'm like, okay, they didn't even bother because they didn't seem to see this as a priority. Mm-hmm. And do yeah, do, do my own research, look at uh, if I can reach out to Inside Alum because we have a big alumni network. So this is one of the great things. We, we can easily reach out to someone and ask about the, the corporate culture, which sure. which is a, what I was doing to understand on many aspects. You can be this aspect, but it can also be career progression, um, whether or not it's easy to move from one country to the other. So just get your own idea of what is the kind of the inside information of the company sure. and then you can make the decision based on that. Mm. And Zoe, do you want to add some uh, your vast uh, theory that you can <laughs> to? <laughs> theory and I, I suppose I do have some old uh, experience on this as well. Sure. And so, and also I'm in the process of interviewing people for a job ah. right now. So mm. I'm sort of conscious. Yep. I I can speak on, on that side as well. Sure. Is that People don't always keep in mind, and our career services actually is great at helping people prep for interviews and and all of that, but interviews, so there's the sort of looking at what's publicly available 
And then there's, if you have an opportunity to visit the organization, you can pick things up. So there's, we sometimes talk about the thing in the air, which is mm. bias, mm. that members of underrepresented groups kind of like, you, you can feel it yeah. in an environment. So um, the extent to which you, you feel that if you're a, a woman or a member of another underrepresented group. Um, but if you're, um, so say a man or the or the dominant group, you can also sort of look around and see how different profiles of people or different demographic groups um, seem to be engaged and um, a, a part of the system and really included. So there are signals that we can look out for. Um, and then there's also the the interviewing the person mm. interviewing you yes, part. Sure. So I, I think that when we're assessing fit for roles, it's in both directions. And uh, we shouldn't underestimate the the power that people who are selecting organizations have to really to really assess that as well. And we'll start off with the first quickfire question, which is what advice would you give your 20 year old self and sort of try and place or reference where you were or what you were doing when you were 20? Sure. Um, so when I was 20, I was I had just left France and I was living in, uh, in, North, in North America, in Canada back then. And if I were to give myself an advice, well, it's kind of what I've followed is just keep traveling. Keep traveling, keep discovering, keep challenging yourself, keep, keep learning all the time. And uh, yeah, don't, don't be afraid to go and, and learn more things. Fantastic. And Zoe? So I was in college. Sure. I was in college, as many folks are at that age. And... I was about to embark in lots of years of study, and I would suggest to myself to really focus on the solution. So I have studied inequality from a problem perspective longer than I, I probably should have. And I think being solution focused helps us in life in general, and also when it comes to um, achieving our goals and our and our values. So, sure. Yeah, nice. focus. What have you changed your mind about in the last few years and, and why did you change your mind about this? So let's start with Zoe. Yeah, so I have changed my mind in thinking about what matters the most. So I have always been quite career driven and in the last few years I've started a family and I think I now appreciate really the value that a family can bring to us professionally sure. in a way that I underestimated vastly before I had it. So since she stole my answer. Oh, um, sorry, Antoine. <laughs> no, I think some, somewhere well, also changed my mind, I guess I changed on, on a couple of topics, was the importance of the area in which you're working. I think initially when I was still at, at uh, doing my engineering studies, I was kind of pretty agnostic in what in industry I would be happy to work as long as, you know, it was technology driven and, you know, quite exciting. But growing up and I guess maturing as well, this is where I actually uh, oriented myself towards the healthcare industry because this is where I changed my mind. I'm like, no, I actually I want to be I want to be something that really excites me and where every day I feel that. Uh, I'm contributing a little bit to something I believe is, is positive. So this is where I actually made a made a big change. Yeah. So what was the worst advice you see or hear being dispensed in the world? So I think I can 
answer that with respect to gender diversity, because that's where a lot of our conversation has has been today, is I see with I see too frequently among business leaders a belief that if we just fix the numbers, then everything will fall into place. And and fixing the numbers, I think, can be very important. And, and when you were referencing fixing the numbers? I mean, getting to um, more numeric, like a 50-50 numerically split. balanced representation. Sure. Okay. Um, the, the concern that I have about that, the reason I think it's um, sometimes not the best ambition is that if it's done in such a way that leads to um, hostility and, and marginalization among the members of underrepresented groups, then it, it certainly concerns me. Sure. So I would I going back to what we were talking about earlier, I think mm. the more um, integrated aspects of developing gender equality are far more beneficial. Sure. I think to me I would say the worst advice is the one that's given from people who are not aware of their biases. Mm, and sure. I think if you look at careers, um, this is something that's quite common. Like if you, people would have the tendency to either tell you to do exactly like they did because it was it was working for them sure. or to not do what they did because somehow it didn't it did work, work for them. Yeah. So yeah. I think people, when giving advice when it comes to career, have to be very careful in the way they give the advice to make sure that it's they're kind of detached from their own story so sure. that they can apply this advice really to the person they're talking to. Relevant, yeah. And on the other end, when you're on the receiving mm. end of the advice, kind of take a step back and be like, okay, is he or she saying this um, because mm. of his or her story or is it actually kind of factual? So kind of challenge a bit what you're hearing because you'll see, um, especially, you know, you have a lot of students who are interested about consulting and they will speak to different people mm. and they will hear black and white mm -hmm. and you know they kind of need to to understand why some people are saying black and why some people are saying white it might yeah. just come from their own uh, very own biases so sure. i think uh, it's something to be quite aware of so building on what antoine just said the advice that concerns me most is the advice that is based on one's own experience mm -hmm as opposed to ba being based on their understanding of the advice receiver, mm. right? So if we want to be giving good advice and trusting the advice that we're getting, then ideally the person giving the advice has an idea and an understanding mm. of what the situation is that they're advising on. Yep. And I think this is something that we see quite often, especially around uh, the, the gender topic, sure. where you would see I don't know, let's say a, um, a, a young girl or still a student who has questions and she could get some answers that, oh, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily a profession for, uh, for you. It's not a profession where there are a lot of females, so uh, might, not want, uh, might, not, <laughs> might not want to be the, the best track for you to, to be this one. So sure. I think this is something that can uh, mm. have a big impact also. Mm. Yeah. What one action would you, you ask our listeners to take? Uh, obviously, we've had plenty of conversation today. It doesn't necessarily have to be this, but I have a feeling it might be. Um, mine would be very simple. Uh, challenge the status quo. So basically, if you are in an organization or even at home or when you're in whatever situation, and since we're talking about gender equality, mm -hmm. just challenge the way it's being done. Mm -hmm. uh, it might be right. It might not be right, but at least challenge it mm -hmm. and see how people uh, react to that. Mm -hmm. And building on that, I would say to be the change you want to see. 
And this is a quote that's been attributed to lots of famous people. Sure. And I recently read that a lot of these quotes that are attributed to famous people are not really said by them. <laughs> so I won't do any of those attributions. <laughs> yeah. But but I think it's really true is I we can underestimate our impact to change by modeling. Mm -hmm. And so I would encourage our listeners to do that. Sure. Right. Well, that's uh, all we've got time for today. Thank you very much for, for both of your time and uh, a great topic. And uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. So thank you again and uh, all the best for the, your future careers. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Bye -bye. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to this episode of In The Know. If you want to know more about today's career development and leadership topics, head online to www.inthenow.insead.edu forward slash podcast. To discover more about any of INSEAD's degree programs, head to www.insead.edu.